Advent is upon us. It's kind of hard to believe that this year has gone by this fast. And as we begin this season of Advent, it's good for us to be be reminded that Advent is the beginning of the liturgical year. And so as we begin the liturgical year, the cycle of readings begins to change. So we go from year B to year C on our Sunday Masses. On our daily Masses, we go from year whatever on to the other year. There's two year, two year cycles on the uh, daily Masses. And I don't remember what's, if we're on one or two, but uh, we'll go to the other one. And uh, I think it's important to have a deeper understanding of what Advent is all about. And my priesthood now, kind of in my, in a sense, third cycle of the readings, um, there's this opportunity to be able to reflect upon uh, what the season of Advent is truly all about. Because I think in our culture and our society today, we've kind of lost the season of Advent in many ways. And the church has kind of lost that battle about the, the idea of this preparation. And as Jesus says in our gospel today, this vigilance that we are meant to be keeping dur- during this season of Advent. St. Bernard of Clairvaux speaks about Advent in in kind of a unique way. The church speaks about Advent as the two comings of Christ and the preparation for the two comings of Christ. There's the preparation for the historical fact of Jesus coming into the world when he's born in the manger at Christmas. And then there is the uh, reality and the eschatological coming of Jesus at the end of time when all of this world will pass away and the only thing that will be left will be heaven and hell. And those who are righteous will be brought into heaven and those of the unrighteous will be brought into hell. St. Bernard of Clairvaux talks about a third coming of Christ. And that third coming of Christ is that coming of Christ into our life on a daily basis. And how we recognize that Christ is born into our lives and that then we are meant to make him present to the world. As I was growing up, our family had the tradition of praying the Advent wreath at all of our meals. And, and we were blessed enough to be able to eat most of our meals together. And the prayer that we would always do with the Advent wreath is the, the prayer of the Angelus. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary and she conceived of the Holy Spirit and so on and so forth. And I think this is a beautiful prayer for us to especially pray during the season of Advent because it's that reminder of Christ coming into the world. And not only the coming of Christ into the world, but the, but Mary's acceptance of God's will in her life to be a part of God's will in the world and bringing him forth into the world. And as Mary kind of allows Christ to come forth through her into the world, we also are meant to be like that as well, to have our fiat or give our yes to Jesus every single day and at every moment to bring forth Christ into the world. The word Advent itself comes from the Latin Adventus, which means coming. Uh, the Greek word of that is parousia, which, which particularly uh, focuses on the second coming, but it really means the coming of Christ as well. And this coming of Christ that we speak about is that coming of Christ into our lives every day. And so it's important for us to recognize Christ's presence, but we can't recognize Christ's presence if we first don't recognize him in our own lives through our prayer that we enter into every single day. St. Paul's uh, first letter to the Thessalonians today reminds us that the process of growing in grace is not just one day we're this way and the next day we are this. The one day we're kind of pagan and we're unholy and the next day all of a sudden we're perfect and we're holy. St. Paul reminds us 
And he says, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. Recognizing that there is a a kind of an absence of love and grace in our life and that this love and grace in our life must increase. And the way in which it increases is the more that we turn our lives over to Christ and allow him to sanctify us in our own lives. Our Unfortunately, our, our second reading stops short of what St. Paul tells us uh, will we'll bring about this sanctification. We'll begin this process of sanctification, and I'll get to that here in a little bit. St. Paul reminds us, however, that this process of growing in love and grace is a process of growing in holiness. But once again, it's not a we're unholy one day and the next day we are holy. In fact, the saints talk about how in their own lives they struggle with certain sins in their life. Even St. Paul speaks about how they struggle with certain sins in their life. But this weakness of sin in their life becomes a great strength because it's God's grace beginning to work in them. St. Teresa of Avila, who is a, who is a doctor of the church in, in the spiritual life, speaks, uh, speaks at some point about how she struggled with a very serious sin even while she was in the convent. And how she had to overcome that sin and she had to grow in, in the love and grace of God, even in that, even in those moments, uh, in her life that were kind of far from God and how she had to have that conversion and that growth in love. But it wasn't just all of a sudden it was over. It was a constantly daily growing in the grace of God, overcoming that sin and growing in the love of God. St. Paul draws out in this reading to the Thessalonians, which, by the way, is one of the earliest is is thought to be one of the earliest letters of St. Paul uh, to any of the churches that he wrote to. But he draws out in in this, he says, to be blameless in holiness before God, our father. St. Paul is writing to the Thessalonians, those who have already kind of come to know Christ, that they are called to holiness. The Greek word for holiness is hagiosune from the Greek word hagios, which means to be a saint. So when we look at the lives of the saints, kind of the Greek term for that is the hagiography, the the, uh, study of the saints, the study of the holy ones. And so we are meant to become saints. We're meant to be set apart. Our lives are meant to be modeled after as ones who follow Christ, as ones who live their lives heroically for Christ. This holiness that we are all called to then is actually then brought out to us in the Second Vatican Council as well. And as it's brought out in the Second Vatican Council, it's then uh, kind of brought even uh, more fully to us in the catechism of the church uh, as well today. Lumen Gentium from the Second Vatican Council says this. Fortified by so many and such powerful means of salvation, all the faithful, all the faithful, all of us here, whatever their condition or state, are called by the Lord each in his own way to that perfect holiness whereby the Father himself is perfect. The Catechism, paragraph 2013 says, All Christians in any state or walk of life are called to the fullness of Christian life and to the perfection of charity. All are called to holiness. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus reminds us of that. Uh, that we are called to be perfect. We're all called to holiness. We're all called to this perfection of, we're all called to this perfection of charity. Lumen Gentium goes on to say in paragraph 40, thus it is evident to everyone that all the faithful of Christ of whatever rank or status are called to the fullness of the Christian life and to the perfection of charity. By this holiness, 
As such, a more human manner of living is promoted in this earthly society. I, I love that phrase from Lumen Gentium. The more holy we become, the more human we become. And the more human we become, the more that we reflect the image and likeness of God uh, in which we are created. When we look at the lives of the saints, there's not one saint who is the same. And I said this a couple weeks ago. Every saint is different according to their personality, according to the way that God has created them. And so the more that we become whom we have been created to be, the more that we live out our personality, the more that we live out who God has made us to be, the more human society becomes, which is in the reflection and the image and likeness of God. Human in the perfected sense of humanity as we are called to bring it about. In order that, continuing paragraph 40 in Lumen Gentium, in order that the faithful may reach this perfection, they must use their strength accordingly as they have received it as a gift from Christ. They must follow in his footsteps and conform themselves to his image, seeking the will of the Father in all things. They must devote themselves with all their being to the glory of God and the service of their neighbor. In this way, the holiness of the people of God will grow into an abundant harvest of good, as is admirably shown by the life of so many saints in church history. And so we grow in this perfection by living out of the gifts that God has given us. The gifts that God has given us begins first and foremost with a sacrament. So receiving that grace of the sacraments and living that out in our life day by day. Overcoming sin. St. Paul says this in the continuation of our second reading today that the lectionary leaves out. In verse 3 of First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from unchastity, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like heathen who do not know God, that no man transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we solemnly forewarned you, for God has not called us for uncleanness, but in holiness. This holiness is lived out in our body. We are body and soul. We're not just a, we're not just a soul that is kind of entombed in a body. We are a body and a soul. Our soul, our body is a reflection of our soul. And so we do the good that we are called to do in the body. We're called to have this chastity in the body. This purity of mind for God, this purity of heart for God that he is calling us to. And the more that we live out this chastity, the more that we live out this bodily purity as God is calling us to, the more that we begin to reflect God in our life. This, this living out uh, in the body of what God is calling us to requires of us in our speech and our actions to also to bring about the glory of God as well. So if we've conquered the, the chastity aspect of our life, uh, then, then we move on to the other areas of our life that are still lacking. How do we treat people in conversations? How do we treat people that we work with? How do we treat people that we employ? Are we treating them with the dignity that, that they deserve? The church has this phenomenal Catholic social teaching. Do we look at the Catholic social teaching of the church and actually begin to live it out as an employer as an em or as an employee through the human dignity of all of us, of, of who we are? Do we live this out to the fullness that God is calling us to live it out? Or do we just kind of put it aside and say, well, that's not part of who I am or, or what I'm going to do? We need to be holy Catholic, holy human, 
holding up what God expects of us, recognizing that we are called to bring Christ into the world. This Advent, I really encourage you to to take the opportunity to, in a sense, make a New Year's resolution as we begin this new year in the church to make a resolution to grow in holiness this year. Take some time to look over the past year. Take some time to look over, okay, what are the spiritual exercises I did over the last year? What do I need to improve upon this year? What are the real, um, what are the real goals that I can, that I can make in my own life to help me to progress into holiness? What are the aspects in my life that I can, that I can put into place so that I make sure that I pray every day, that I make sure that I am growing in, in holiness Every single day that I am learning to treat my neighbor uh, with the love that God intends for me to do. What are the things that I can practically put in place to recognize that I am making progress in my life? Think over the last year. Where were we last, last November when we began Advent? Where are we at today? Have we gotten better? Have we gotten re- worse? Maybe even write those goals down. Make a plan of life of how we are going to pray, how we are going to progress. Put it somewhere that we can see it every day. The daily goals that we have to meet in order to progress in our love. In our normal lives, in our work life, in our, in our exercise, in our intellectual life, in some ways we're always, we're always making goals. Whether we're keeping them in our mind or we're actually writing them down. We need to do the same in our spiritual life as well. To make goals. To set our plan of life. This is when I'm going to pray. This is when I'm going to uh, uh, serve the poor. This is when our family is going to pray. This is when we're going to grow in holiness together. These are the practical things I'm going to do to grow in greater love of my spouse or my co-workers. Lent. We're not in Lent yet. Advent is the time for us to recognize the coming of Christ in our own life. And as we recognize Christ in our own lives, it's meant for us to make him present to others as well. If our life isn't lived outwardly in the sense that Christ, people don't recognize Christ in us, then maybe we're not doing it right yet. Maybe our holiness is not showing yet. Maybe our progression in love is not growing. Maybe we're going backwards. So let's take those steps to bring Christ into our life and make him present in our world.